Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name is Panos and I'm joined via Zoom by J-Jack from Next Level Dogs all the way in, oh, I don't even know where you're from. Where are you from, bro? Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Welcome yeah, to the so show, bro. How are you? East of the country. I'm good, man. How are you doing? How's I'm very, very good. On? All is well. You know, actually, it was, it's the beginning of autumn, but we had the hottest day yesterday. So we've had a couple of nice warm days. Hopefully, when you come down for the seminar this weekend, it's not too hot for the dogs because... They're either not going to perform or if they're out of control, then they're going to perform very nicely because they're going to be bloody tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's so weird. Like we're, we're in the middle of like this drag along, not bad winter, but won't go away. Yeah. It's actually really mild as far as our winters go, but it just won't stop. Like it's like snows a little bit and it's just cold enough that you don't want to do it. It's not like blisteringly cold and like super frozen. It's like, it keeps your hope alive. You're like, this is it. We're getting out of winter, but then it like snows a little bit and you're like, dude, stop. Yeah. I heard somewhere where either the seasons have to change and that they, they, they have to like shift them by the months or they, they want to add an extra season because things are all, all over the shop. So screwed up, man. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. All I know is that like <clears throat> unrelated to dogs, like a year and a half ago, I started building this uh, motorcycle, which is not something I'm good at. Like I've never had a bike. I'm not mechanical. I do not know how to do any of that stuff. But my dad was into bikes. And so, like, I've been meaning for, like, the last 30 years to, like, rebuild his bike that when I was a kid, like, I remember his bike. And, like, I've been meaning to do it and then just happened upon a set of circumstances. And I was like, fuck, here it is. There was, like, some parts that I could have for free. And I was like, all right, this is a sign. I got to fucking do it. And so, like, all last uh, winter, I was, like, trying to get it ready for the summer. And it was a shit show. And I couldn't get it pulled off. And then right like I got it started and like the day I got it started blizzard, like oh, the no. day I got it started, do you know what I mean? Everybody's, everybody's riding around in flannel shirts, like going, what a mild fall this has been. What a great fall this is. And everybody's riding around and I was like, fuck. And then the day I got it started, just like hammers with Boom. snow and it's shit ever since I've like. It, it's really interesting that especially with dog people, dog trainers in particular, most people have their training and their dog training as their hobby. But when it's your full-time job, you, it's not a hobby. You're like working, even if you're work, working your own dog and you do it just for the joy and the fun of it, it is still, you're still on the, on the clock where it's nice. And, and I think very valuable for trainers to be finding hobbies outside of dogs, just so you don't burn out and that you can keep those skills sharp. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because for me, jujitsu and dogs I, are both, I mean, they're both avenues of uh, income, I suppose, but I, one, I don't view either of them like that. Like I don't think about money, which is an incredibly annoying on borderline arrogant thing to say. And it's not because I've got a lot of it. It's just cause I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I've never had a lot of money, but I've, I've, I, I was poor my whole life, like brutal fucking poor my whole life. But like, because of that, I've never worried about not having money like somebody's like what if it doesn't work out i'm like what are you talking about like it works who gives a shit? You know, like 
things like, work out. I'm still alive. We're still here. I'll just make money, dude. Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like, I'll just, do you know what I mean? Like, as long as I can stand up, I can make money. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. fine. So, like, I can go work security anywhere in the fucking world and be fine. You know what I mean? Like, I can, I have a couple of ways of like jobs I could do. Like, I could train dogs, I could teach jujitsu, but. I mean, even if all that falls apart, dude, I could just go to a bar and get a job bouncing. Like, I'm never going to not have money. Like, if you can scrap, you can make money. Like, I'm never not going to have money, you know? I love that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'll just go take yours. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like I'm only living part of this society because it's like, I live inside the law because it's turned out to be convenient to do it. You know what I mean? So it's yes. like, I'm fine. Like, I'll be fine. Like, I'm never going to not have food. Like, I'll be fine. You know? But it's, that gives me kind of this freedom to like not stress about it. You know? Yes, it, that's a good point, actually, and um, and and I agree as well. It's just, are you? Do you have children? Oh God, no. Okay. Well, that's not true. We adopted a kid. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, but they were an adult, so it doesn't matter. Okay, like, it's not the same thing. Like we we raised them like we got them when they were like uh, fourteen or so. Okay, wound up living in my gym, and like I raised the kid for sure. But like wow. we didn't adopt them until uh, they were already like 22 when we when we adopted them. But that uh, is awesome. That is really really cool. I mean, it's like it's one of those things where you don't think about it because they're an adult, so you don't think there's a reason. Yeah. But the kid fights as well. Like he, you know, he's like a little miniature version of me, right? Like he fights as well. And so like uh, there was a fight. He got kind of hurt, and and I remember both of us were like faced with this idea of like, it turned out not to be bad, but in that moment, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, I've had this kid for years now. Like, like that's my kid. And like, somebody's going to push me out of the hospital room and start making mm. decisions. Do you know what I mean? Like not, not knowing him, having no relationship, like ditched him when he was a kid, You're not but cool. they can come back in and start making. Yeah. Okay. Like, mm. So we were like, Ooh, this is no longer a, like like a like a cute acknowledgement of familial tie it's like this is important like yeah well wow. I mean, like i get hit by a bus like people are gonna start arguing over my shit like no nah, man he should get it so it's yeah, like wow yeah we actually we so now we do have a kid you know what i mean that's amazing that's beautiful my um the reason why i asked is because i had similar mentality like you know energy is like a unit of energy money's like unit of energy it comes in comes when it needs it. It's not there when you don't need it, but then it makes you hustle to become better at another skill. So you can, so I, I, you can, it could be a bit more of a, of a game and it's harder to keep it like that when you have like my son's like three and a half years old. So, and when he was a little baby, baby, like that, that existential angst was something that no one told me to prepare for at around when he was around six months old, it was like, Oh, my life is not mine anymore. And he, yeah. uh, like, it's his now. And what I do isn't just, Oh, I just, you know, I'll make it work. It's like, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, then what happens to him and, and my wife? So, and I think it changed that and it, and it can bring on more stress and anxiety, which then changes the way that you behave. And that's very much, we can connect that to dogs. Obviously it's just that you want to still be making enough money to make things run, but not be so held onto it where you become crippled by it. And that's that balance, I mean, right? It was a, it was an interesting <laughs> it was an interesting background of life, right? Because until 2003 or so, like I'm a criminal. Do you know what I mean? Like fighting is illegal. Like you can't 
you can't do it. Like it yeah. might as well have been dog fighting. It was like, you, I mean, it literally was in the same vein as in people know it goes on. And like, even law enforcement had a little bit of a, like guys would show, you know what I mean? Like it, it was, it was known about, but nobody did anything about it. It's like technically illegal, but nobody really did anything. You know what I mean? And, but it was like, <clears throat> my whole life was just like, I was never on the, like, Oh, you're going to have a bank account, dude. You know what I mean? Like you got to stack of money under a gun somewhere. You're like, there's no, like, you know, I'm saving for the future. Like, you know what I mean? I dropped out of the seventh grade. You know what I mean? Like I'm uh, like it, my life was not on a trajectory of safety conscious forward progressive future thinking. You know what I mean? And so like, I just got used to living in this. There is no set future. There's no safety. Like it's just, that's just, that was life. Do you know what I mean? But did that, did that, that draw you into the present moment? Like, we, yeah. do you, you feel like, to, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you kind of have to be a little Zen. Yeah. <laughs> or stupid. You know what I mean? One of the two. I don't know which one. But I, I think there's, there's, there is like a beauty to that. Like, even though most people are listening going, oh my God, like criminal life and not following the rules. And, and there's like, there's a whole backstory. It's not like just out of nowhere, you decided to like, let's, let's get a gain. We're getting against it's society. It's that, you know, if those are the, ha- the cards that you were dealt. This is just the life you live and, and you've pulled yourself out of it. And one really cool thing that I, from the things that I've listened to, like podcasts and videos I watch from you is that you've brought that mindset and then brought it forth forward towards either dogs and martial arts, which is very much operating from that mindset, which is the most natural mindset to be in, in a way, right? Because like civilization, society is, is relatively new in conjunction to our genetics and our psychology. Hundred percent, and it's also one of those things where, like, you don't realize it, but like that that <clears throat> that fighting culture, it's like people know that they're missing a connection to it, and know yeah. that they're supposed to be connected to it to the degree that, like, man, you know, like uh, fancier sounding than just like uh, illegal fighting, like fancier sounding, like the Book of Five Rings, uh, the Art of War. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's all these books that, like, are they're like combat books. Do you know what I mean? They're like they're discussions of of warfare. Yes. But people now read those in like business school. Yes. Like, so like all these people like know that there's a piece missing in modernity and turn back and go like man, and then look at people like us like okay, you're the guys that are living that way. So yeah. like what can and you wind up if you don't die if 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 you don't get sucked into the bad shit or Mm -hmm. die then it's like you end up with a set of knowledge that regular people are like man i need to know what you know yes so it's like it's really weirdly interesting to now be like uh looked at like a teacher because until Mm -hmm. until my 30s i was like you're a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like just a scumbag. You know what I mean? Like guys that people that took a class from me knew me to be a good teacher and people that interacted with me one-on-one knew me to be 
you know, articulate or intelligent or whatever. Right. But like your general Joe Schmo, there was no Facebook. There was no, nobody could get online and Google me and watch some really insightful video I made about an intense subject. Like that one didn't exist. All they saw was just this tattooed shaved head, fucking dickhead looking guy. Do you know what I mean? And people like, what's that guy about? And like, I fights in a cage for money. They're like, Oh <laughs> yeah, that's basically what I thought he was going to be like. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's two quotes that that um, remind me of that. One of them is like, you know, civilize the mind but make savage the body. And the other one is nobody loves the warrior until the enemies are at the gates. And that we we can, if you've walked the darker side of society and come out the other end, not incarcerated and, and still alive, and also with an intention that, no, we're moving forward because we want a better life. And that, you know, even if someone is walking a dark path, you shouldn't shun them and go on, you're a naughty boy. It should be that, look, that's your that's your circumstances right now, but do we want something better? And same with dogs, you know, when someone has a dog that is, you know, we'll call them naughty, but they're just doing everything that they were bloody bred to do. And, and then we're all confused, like, why does my dog do that? I'm like, well, you chose the dog that was supposed to do that. And most it's funny because like there's a lot of there's a lot of discussions that I have with people about paradigms when they first get in. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with your dog. Your dog's not wrong and your dog's not bad. Your dog is inconvenient for this society. Yes. Yes. Out of place. Yes. They're not wrong. They're not not bad. They're not broken. They're Mm -hmm. perfect. They're exactly like they're supposed to be. They are perfect. And they're awesome. Now we got to figure some shit out because Mm -hmm. like, unfortunately, like I don't think I, I I spent a lot of time as a child thinking I was fucked up and weird and broken and whatever, but turns out I'm not like, turns out I'm just different. Like I'm not like most people, but there's nothing wrong with that. I would argue now that it's actually kind of cool. Like I like what I am, you know, but because I'm not like everybody else, you have this urge to go like, it's broke. If it's not the same, it's broke. Mm. And it's like, when people come in with this, like my dog is broken. My dog needs to be fixed. My dog can you fix my dog. Yes. And I'm like, man, in a lot of cases, now look, there are some dogs that are, you know, genetically or uh, spiritually broken from events and lifestyle. Agreed. Agreed. They need help. They need to be fixed in the, in the air quote sense of like, Something is wrong and needs to be rectified. But usually it's not the dog. Usually it's the circumstance the dog is living in yes. that needs to be rectified. And people have this weird attitude of like, my dog is broken and I need help fixing it. I'm like, the first thing is you need to understand your dog's not broken. Your dog's fucking amazing and yeah. perfect. You need help showing your dog how to navigate the world it found itself in. Because this world ain't made for people like us anymore. Like this world's mm-hmm. not made for battle breed dogs and shit like it's not Agreed. it's like we're not in the like we're born in a wrong time you yeah. Know I mean? like, yeah like that dog would have been revered in the right time and he's not now and exactly. it's like now he's shunned yeah we got to do something about well that. it's so like, like i had josh moran on the show last week and all we chatting with the mali or the dutch shepherd that he has now was from his friend who was running the hills in the mountains protecting the property you know, and yeah. had, you know, and he said that he had, that dog had had live bites protecting whatever was on the property. Um, sure. And now when the the man had to live in a normal society sort of way, like I have a house and housemates and stuff. And it's like, oh my yeah. God, this dog's out of control now. And Josh having, um, you know, having the dog 
in his ownership now and the dog's living the life that can be we can fulfill that dog's needs but he but he's not just letting just Joe Blow walk through the sh- in, into the yeah. house and you know give give Josh a big hug without anything happening like there's a bit of management some training and whatever so yeah it, it isn't that it, it does frustrate me the most you know like oh let's just say for example hypothetically Panos or what an ag- aggressive man would just say because I don't like the way he says things and look at his mannerisms blah blah, blah. and if I was at someone's house and there was a home invasion and I was successful to use my aggression and violence to stop the threat. I am a bloody hero. But if I get into a blue with some guy down the street just for over something, you know, let's say an, an egotistical battle and I get into the fight and win the fight, I am now a criminal. So in what context is your dog's good behavior? Walking down the street, some man grabs, tries to snatch your my lady's bag. And if my dog yeah. bit that guy, what a hero dog. <laughs> Walk, man walks past to hug my wife, dog bites, bad dog. And it's like, but the context of the dog, it's the exact same thing. Just context for us humans can be a bit different. And how does a dog navigate that world without us having to be able to, you know? I mean, it's it's tough. I think we're getting into interesting stuff, but I think it's tough because people have started, we've done this really weird thing with dogs where we simultaneously infantilize them. Like we make them little bitty baby dogs. Like they're not even like, like, do you know what I mean? They're they're not autonomous, sentient, fully formed, you know, emotionally depth. Like they don't have, they're like, they're just baby dogs. They're like Mm -hmm. little bitty baby dogs, you know? And at the same time, we expect them to have this level of cognition that isn't just like, obviously above their ability like our cognitive abilities are greater than theirs it's like we we're not even expecting them to have like human-ish characteristics we expect them to have like not just human intelligence but good judgment like that dude was just kidding he wasn't really being serious about like he was pretend fighting and you're like what are you talking about the dude that was my wife's friend but snuck up on her and went brah but like to like haha prank yeah, my dog is supposed to not only understand, do you know what I mean? Nuance of, but like also, oh, that guy's just kidding. Do you know what I mean? Like, what you know what I mean? Like, how can we do both of those things? It blows my mind that they can hold both of those expectations. I expect you to be this little infantile toddler, no aggression. There's no drive for any. You just want to like suckle on a little thing and lay on the couch all day and do nothing, and you want no confrontation and you want no conflict and you want nothing to overcome and nothing to prove yourself to like you want none of that right you're just a little baby and also i want you to know this nuanced difference between familial ties and who's kidding and who's not and who was benign who meant it yes like guys got a secret you should know even if they're acting cool but they're not cool you should have bitten that guy because you should have been able to know because you're a dog and you're like what the fuck how can you have both incorrect versions at the same time. Yes. Yes. About the same dog. Makes no sense. But then we do the same thing to the dog by saying, oh no, so he didn't bite him. He just nipped him. It was just a nip. I'm like, well, Jay was in my space. I only jabbed him. It was just a it was just a little jab. It's like mm, you could have given me a, a heavy right, but it would be the same thing. Never worked. Assault. Yeah. Me trying to tell the cops I only slapped him has never yeah. worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, dude, I only slapped him. What are you talking about? 
Like I could have knocked the shit out of him. I just slapped yeah. him a little bit. Fine, bro. He's fine. But see, yeah, in in the right. world of we're talking about from your past, we'll call it the your past life, right? Is that sure. in that context? Like, yeah, I got slapped, because, and like that. There's that holds meaning within the situation. Um, yeah. I was a bit disrespectful. I copped the slap. I apologized. I stepped over the line, and why would I press charges? That's just me communicating. And again. I'm not because I'm not saying we should be slapping people if you disagree with them. It's just that there's a difference in that context. Even when the dog was to give the little nip because he's giving a social correction because the other dog overstepped the boundary or person overstepped the boundary, should we say, or if the dog, no, no, your dog punctured that person and bit them, there was intent. And now we can say that the nip and the bite are different, but you can't just, first of all, we shouldn't downplay it. Your dog displayed aggression towards sure. somebody walking into your house. like Because if we don't fix it now, even if it was circumstantial, it can get worse if the dog perceived it to be successful. It's going to get worse. Of course, yeah. right? Now, sometimes it happens and you can mitigate and rectify it within the moment and the dog's like, I made a bad call, my bad, only because we made that call though. Sure. And if we say, oh, but he was only, and if we make the excuse along with Putting them both the nip and the and the hard bite in the same like those are two extremes. We want to be in the middle to yeah. say, well, why did it happen? Can we put some context to it along with how do we fix it? It's like there's this thing, and tell me if I get off on the wrong topic or whatever. Like no topic, we're going. We're just we're going. What I do, I just talk about shit. I love it. So there's this thing. It's like a continuum of force, right? Um, is a word we refer to in defensive tactics a lot, where you talk about what you need to do to get a problem solved, right? So you shouldn't shoot somebody if you could discuss your way out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like there's a there's a, a force continuum. So there's like this ladder of escalation of force, right? Dogs negotiate through threats of violence. And I don't want to say dogs negotiate through threats of violence. Humans do too. All animals, right? All social animals negotiate through threats of violence. And the reason that they do that, it, it, we are exactly the same without language. The reason that we do that is because the reason we have the ability as people to avoid getting into that funnel of activity is because we can speak. We can use our words. I can say, pardon me, but if you're almost done with that meal, I sure would like to share it. No offense. I don't mean to, do you know what I mean? If you don't mind, might I, you know what I mean? And like, they can go, well, I wasn't gonna, but since you're being Paul and we can discuss and never get into a threat of violence scenario, because it's a little bit like, this is a weird thing. Um, but like, if you hear the terms like toxic masculinity or like rape culture, one of the discussions, cause this is shit I'm involved with because of defensive tactics. Like I teach a lot of women self-defense. So it's a place that my head space is very familiar yep. with dealing with these ideas. And the idea is that like in toxic culture, we assume a yes and require a no. Do you know what I mean? And this is like toxic masculinity culture. A guy mm -hmm. walks up and like, hey, baby, you obviously want my arm around you. And they're just going to do it. And you have to go. They assume a yes. And they make yes. you go, hey, like, not, I, bro, no, thank you. And if you don't say it for, if you go, no, thank you. They're like, you don't mean that shit. And they keep going. And they make you say a no that is convincing to them that you seriously do mean it, right? And that's obviously a toxic situation. But this is where almost all beings are without language. Mm. Like with language, I have the ability to assume a no and ask for a yes. Yeah. I can walk up and go, hi, how are you? Would you mind if I said, I can assume you want nothing. I can assume you do not want my hand on you. I can assume you do not want my drink. Mm. I, 
You know what I mean? Yes. But yes. I can ask you and you can say, yes, actually, I would like a drink and that would be wonderful. And I can be cool. I can assume a no and request a yes, but we mm-hmm. have to have language to do that. Yeah. In, in nature, there's no like, dude, if you're eating a bone and I want to fucking some of the bone, I have to be like, I'm not going to get it. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, For I sure. have to go. I'm going to act like you're going to give it to me. Yes. And I'm going to walk up and like, Mm. But and the you, the, the lowest level there. of that potential violence is the body language. Even if you're like, you're getting there, go. hundred percent. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like you have to. Uh, I'm going to put you in a position where I am assuming a yes. Yeah. And you're going to have to tell me no. And you're going to not just have to tell me no. You're going to have to tell me no at a level that I'm thinking of. Right. And so, yes. like, there's this idea. It's a little bit like playing poker. There's this idea where social animals don't ideally naturally well natural selected dogs are predisposed people to are predisposed to not wanting to actually get into mortal combat they they yeah. don't want to actually fight all the way mm-hmm. so all of these lower level threats of violence are this idea of trying we're bluffing each other we're trying to go further up the ladder without getting to the end do you know what I mean? And so it's like two people with their fingers on the button of a bomb are usually really polite to one another. Cause if I fuck with you, you're going to push it. Mm-hmm. If you fuck me, I'm gonna push it. So we get real mm-hmm. polite because we're trying to avoid going to the end of the escalator. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it fucks it up when somebody isn't like that. When a person's yeah. just like, I'll push the button myself just to say, fuck you. And you're like, yeah. well, how do, do we negotiate? <laughs> how, yeah. how do this is where we run into like with terrorist issues? Like how do we negotiate with somebody that's willing to run to the end? Yeah. But, most dog communication is this lower level bluff and call type shit. Cause like, if you look at it, the analogy I always use is poker or something, right? Like if we go all the way to the end and we legit straight up fight, not to, not to solve an issue, not to negotiate, but like one of us is going to get ended and then there will be no problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like laying the cards down and whoever's hand is the best mm, hand. Win. Yeah. But most poker hands aren't one like that. Mm. Most poker hands are one with, I push a bunch of chips out, you go, fuck, and you fold. My chips, my cards may not have been good enough to beat you, but we're never going to know because you fucking folded. Do you know what I mean? And so there's this like raise, I call, I raise, and then somebody folds, and then we never lay our cards down. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so like there's there's legitimately a continuum, right? So if you I lay it out for people, <clears throat> it goes stillness pressure and pressure i think of as uh three spotlights right like i describe it to people as three spotlights there's a spotlight in your face your eyes and your chest so you'll see a dog like this right like a dog's chewing on a bone or something and another dog walks up and you'll see them going (laughs) and then they stop that's stillness stillness is the first they push out two chips Mm -hmm. and you have to go "Mm, i fold and you walk away Yep. Or you go, no, I'm still in. And you, I, I see your two chips and I stay with you. Yep. And the dog goes, all right, look, I'm going to push out two more chips. I push out, I'm going to raise you two more chips. Mm-hmm. Pressure. So if I turn my eyes to you, there's more pressure than if I don't. If I turn my eyes and then my head and then my whole chest, and then that pushes in like this, that's pressure. Yes. So those three spotlights, right? I so like pressure is the next rung up the ladder. Then there's sound. Then there's touch. Now, touch looks like violence, but it's ritualized violence. It's yeah. mock violence. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to do damage. They're trying to not 
get yep. all the way into the fight. Mm-hmm. They pushed all their chips out and went, okay, I'm putting everything in it. Like the, the next step is just who's got the best hand. That's all yep. there is. Because in a lot of situations, you'll see two dogs up on their back feet, clacking and fucking air snapping and furs coming out. And then there's no real damage. You're like little bitty punctures and stuff. But like they can break bones, like they can tear yeah. flesh. If there's little damage like that, it's because yeah. they're engaging in ritualized combat. Mm-hmm. They are still trying not to go all the way to the end. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I get the idea of like it wasn't real, as in we're trying to diagnose the difference between a dog that is negotiating. He's escalating his negotiations higher up the ladder than is appropriate. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a problem. Cause if you have a dog that just like goes from first thought of any conflict goes right to touch. Now they do yeah. that because they tried lower levels and it didn't work. They touched a dog and it worked. They skipped a couple levels. They touched a dog and it works. And they're like, dude, they learn, push all your chips in. Everybody folds. And, and also it's not like the dogs are living in a traditional sort of family pack or let's say like even a village pack where all the dogs are fully familiar with each other. It was like last time yeah. this happened, blah, blah. it's like, it's a new dog every time. It's like, well, new dog every time. I'm going like, to go straight to touch because I can't afford the conversations. Can't yeah. fuck around. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I got to go as high. Every dog's urge generally a good genetically well-read raised dog will go. Like I want, I will go as far as I need to, like as low as I can, as far as I need to. Yeah. And if they get, well socialized other dogs learn to respond and then we see negotiations at the lower levels and everybody tolerates it yeah people will take stillness and eye contact and even a little bit of sound and be like that's cool that's good that's good social skills yes but then when a dog touches without without damage or damage is incidental like if i get pissed at you and i throw a plate at you because i'm mad and i want to show you how mad i am i'm not trying to fucking kill you I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying no, you to you threw you the plate on the opposite side of the wall to like so you weren't throwing at me, but the chip of the of the plate nicked me. It might put and your I'm eye bleeding. Out. Jay it might put your Jay eye. made Panos bleed and all this. Like, well, I, that was an incident like, to him. Yes. No, I can't say it's not my fault. I threw the fucking no, plate at you, of course. Of course. But the goal of what I did was not to cause you enough damage that you could no longer yeah. not you I'm ending negotiations by damaging you to the point where you're not able to negotiate anymore. That's not the point. Yeah. The, the the contact was me pushing the chips out. Now, if you got hurt in the process, that's, you know, a, a, an acceptable, unfortunate side effect of, of the negotiating, but it wasn't my goal. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so, like, people have this weird thing where they see dogs negotiating, like, touching, but purposefully and intentionally not yeah. rolling all the way to the end of the line and straight up fighting. Yeah. And they will equate ritualized violence with real violence. Yeah. And diagnose those dogs as having done the same thing or had the same intention. And that's yeah. wrong. Yeah. That's wrong. Like that those wrong. are two very different dogs. But we're removed from that though, right? Because because of our laws and political correct sort of, you know, way that we're moving and yeah, we're becoming more civilized and domestic and all that sort of stuff. It, it's sure. taking away from that rawness of what it is to be the, the organism within the environment. And yes. because like, let's just say if I'm with 
I don't really delve in these circles. Let's say we, we lived 15 years ago and I saw two of the boys were disagreeing to a point where there was a tussle. No one does anything. We watch them. It's not going to a point. No one's dying today. Like, unless it's an accident, but it's most likely 99% not going to happen. Let them sort it out. They get up, one lost, one won. They shake, they hug. Cool. Get your drink, continue on. That was that was appropriate for the next interaction and, the, and their relationship within the crowd. Dude, yes. Yeah. And it's not like that anymore. When I was a kid in school, this was late 70s, early 80s in Louisiana, right? Like, but when I was a kid in school, two kids get in a fight and literally the teacher would go, hey, take that outside. the lesson wasn't don't fight it was you're not supposed to make noise in the building yeah like that that shit is what you do outside you run and scream and wrestle and fight and you you get rowdy in the playground you don't get rowdy in the classroom yes but you guys are having a non-classroom related discussion take Mm -hmm. that shit out Mm -hmm. and it was like great but i remember like the world changed around me and i remember i remember the first time some dude, it was like in Boston and I had never left the South and the South, they'll scrap, they'll fight. And like, I was in Boston and I was on a bus and some dude was just fucking eyeball. And I'm like, dude, I grew up like eye contact was a thing. You know what I mean? Like, like the three second rule when I was a little kid, my dad, I was a little kid. My dad was like, listen, three seconds. If somebody stares you in the face for longer than three seconds, they want to fight or they want to fuck. And you have to figure out which one it is because you don't want to make that mistake. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I remember, I was like, absolutely. I was a little kid, dude. Yeah. And I remember being in, like, being in like a restaurant, like a, a fucking, like a diner somewhere in the morning and like eating breakfast with my dad. And my dad, like, like nudge me and go, Hey, you going to let that go? And I'm like, what? And then you realize there's a kid fucking staring at you. And he's like, that's going on, man. You like, don't let that go. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, I wasn't paying attention. I'm like, oh, sorry, dad, no problem. I'll take care of it. And like handle it, you know? And it's like, that's the way I grew up, which again, clearly I'm so fucking out of place now. It's ridiculous. And I had to learn how to like, I had to learn how to do displacement behaviors. Like I had to learn how to like control my emotions and shit. Like I had to learn all the shit that I teach dogs. I teach the the dogs the shit I had to learn. You had to learn. Exactly. I can't fight at a stoplight either when we're waiting for the traffic to cross. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I really would like to, I really want to punch that kid in the fucking head. Cause he's annoying the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I really want to smash him, but I can't, I'm not supposed to. And I have to like the lessons I learned, I have to show that to the dogs and be like, Hey, me too, buddy, but we can't right now. So we have to learn mm-hmm. how to not stare at the guy and we have to learn how to like vent. I go to the gym every day and vent my emotions into bars and willing participants and like heavy bags. My dog goes to the gym every day and vents his into weight pole sleds and treadmills and spring poles and tug toys and whatever, you know? And like, we both do the same management strategy. Yes. But yeah. It's like a, it's a weird thing. What I was saying was that like people will diagnose the dog that was appropriately not appropriately was in the touch phase of negotiating as Jeffrey Dahmer tried to murder. And you're like, no, he didn't. Those are two different things. But then other people, because they don't understand the difference, they'll take a dog that legit is Jeffrey Dahmer murder and go, I ah, just nipping. And you're like, no dude, because yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you're removed people, from it. Yeah. They see other people describing bites as not real violence, but just a little something, something. Mm-hmm. And they go, cool, mine too. And you're like, no, 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 listen. 
people are so unfamiliar with that ladder that they have they don't understand they don't register pressure as the same thing as touching yeah. and to me all the same shit dude stillness eye contact all that shit is the beginning of the fork in the road that goes down, down to the road, waterfall yeah. of actual fighting <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's like any any negotiating with threats of violence is like okay here it is this is you've decided to use violence as a tactic in yep. negotiate and if we think that's inappropriate like if i want to stop a dog from negotiating in that style i want to try to stop it as early as i can because i don't want to i don't want them it's harder to teach them it's okay to use this strategy, but just, it's like, it's okay to slap somebody, but not punch them in the stomach. That's hard to teach a 10 year old dude. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you tell them, hit them and they're like, boom. And you're like, not with your elbow. That's too much. <laughs> you're like yeah. what? I'm yeah. a child. How am I supposed to know the fucking difference? You mm-hmm. know, it's like, I think it's difficult, but I think people are so removed that they see the lower level stuff as not violent at all and totally benign. And see the mid range stuff as unacceptable, even though the the step just before it was totally acceptable. Yes, that's the point. Now they see the mid range stuff is totally unacceptable. This half of the continuum is absolutely fine. This mm-hmm. half of the continuum is evil and wrong. And what's wrong with my dog? And then they can't tell the difference between a dog straight up actually murder fighting yep. and still trying to negotiate with touch. It's so true. And I guess you can't understand that continuum causes so many fucking problems for dogs. And, and, and every, and, and I think in so many other facets of life as well, I, I believe that, but I guess the real, and I have to just say it again, because there could be listeners thinking, whoa, so we're saying fighting is good. I'm like, no, no. If you've understood the meaning of that way of expression and communication for yourself in, in, sure. in real life, then you can understand like, you know, that what, what you learn on the streets is, and like that natural way of, I guess we'll call it expression, is what your dog is operating from. And if yes. you know it and you're familiar with it, you can see it and you can communicate. Where if you're removed from it, we're using words and like, come on, please be nice. And I'll do that just with my body. And yeah, of course, I learned a lot of that before I did any like study and understanding anything about dog behavior and training. I worked at the local shelter and one of my main things that I think I learned the most from there was the dogs that were going to either sit there for 18 months and finally eventually find the home at like the special farm or actually get put down because, you know, they were inappropriate and reactive. I would, because I'm there every day, I was handling those dogs. We removed the cattery. We moved it somewhere else. We had a bigger area where we can socialize some of the dogs. And and I think it's better when you know a little bit less and had less experience because you're a bit more confident. So you're like, oh, I'm going to put this dog with that dog. And, and, I, and you got a couple of dogs that are your regulars. So they're the ones that help the others anyway. So there was this big area where I have like four or five of the dogs. And this is where they learned, first of all, their enrichment was playing with each other. And the coolest sure. thing was those six dogs were the ones that were on potential death row because of their behavior, because of how they acted around other dogs. And now they're the ones out of all the dogs that are here uh, get to play with the other dogs. So it's it's really cool to see that. But also it wasn't – so j- j- just a real quick story. And I think I've sped up, spoken about it on the podcast before, but we had a manager come in and I was like, oh, you know, these positive only people were trying to infiltrate the, the shelter and blah, blah, blah. And she pretended for three months that she was on board with like what I was saying. And then yeah. I made a comment three months later and she's like, yeah, yeah, that's like that's – like I'm one of them. And I'm like, oh, damn. So, like, you've been, like, watching me <laughs> and doing my thing and not saying anything. And that's very conniving. You should have been honest up front so we can just, sure. like, discuss our differences. Sure. Anyway, so 
now I'm like, oh, damn, she's like, you know, we had like this, you know, political kind of tension. And a couple of weeks later, um, I was at lunch, I was going to lunch and she said, oh, by the way, can you put the dogs that are playing in the pen? Can you put them like away? I'm like, oh, they've been fine. Like they're always there. They'll be fine. I was like, yeah, yeah, they're only all right when you're here. I'm like, oh, is that right? I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, I'll put them up. And, and she's like, ah, oh, damn it. Just the way she said it, she realized because of the conversations we've been having is that, well, I choose to train like this and to handle the dogs like this. You choose to do it the way that I disagree. But the ones that are the most misbehaved here that are behaving now only behave when you're here. And they're happy. It's not like they're suppressed sitting in the corner going, shit, panels. Yeah. They're all happy dogs. And then she realized, ah, oh, damn it. It was almost like you just admitted that the way that yeah, I've can. been doing has been working, but that's cool. I'll put yeah. away. So the point there was that I wasn't doing it with technical training. I wasn't even, I wasn't using markers. I wasn't yeah. using food. I was using body yeah. language and just connection. And yeah. there's a cool organic part of that that shows, and that's how I learned how dogs will interact and communicate. Maybe a little scruff here and there, like, hey, hey sort it out, blah, blah, blah. It teaches them the impulse control on the fly rather than setting up the session for it. And I think yeah. that's how when you get, a group of the boys together and we're at the party. It's like, Hey, D- Dimmy, Hey, we're, we're, sure we're going this way. We're going, we're going now. Cause yeah. I know what's happening. I can see what's happening. And I know what you like right. in this context. We'll get in and split fights as they start to happen. Yeah, of course. Of course. And it's the same so with the, the dogs. The thing is there's, <clears throat> that is a real and true thing. And like Chad Mackin was an early influence on me for sure. Like a huge mentor figure and like watching him socialize dogs, like, Dogs can learn a tremendous amount from other dogs because their genetics are such that they want to try to get along and figure it out. And once they realize like, oh, we can negotiate down here and avoid higher levels, they'll seek lower and lower levels to get the job done because they don't actually want to go to the end. They're just like, we're just trying to get some shit taken care of. I don't, nobody wants to actually fight. They just want to like work some shit out. And so it's like, the two guys at the bar that are chest bumping and talking shit. But if you locked them in a box and said, one of you dies, they would cry. Like they don't want to fight, but they want to have that moment. You know what I mean? They want to work it out or whatever. And so it's like, most dogs are operating on that level. The problem is when you get those dogs that are either not like, if they just genetically don't care about going to the end, like they'll just fight. Like fighting to them is not an aversive, you know, for some dogs fighting, very few, but for some dogs, fighting is not an aversive. For a very, very rare dog, fighting is a fucking appetitive response. It's not It's not just neutral. It's fucking awesome. It's the best thing in the world, dude. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for people to understand. And I think that that gets real fucked up for people because most people, again, are so disconnected with violence that they do not, they can't fathom, they see the life of a professional fighter and go fuck that no way like Mm -hmm. no way you could not you couldn't put a gun to my head and make me do it i wouldn't do it and it's like i like i signed up for that shit like it wasn't for money i didn't give a fuck i remember the first time i made any money fighting and it was just like wow (laughs) you know what i mean like one of the first professional like not i mean it was still illegal technically but it was like they're selling tickets and stuff. It was like yeah. starting to legitimize. I may, I, we, I fought three times on the same night. It was an eight man tournament. I fought three times on the same night wow. and the winner of the whole event got 500 bucks. I made 500 bucks for three fights. Yeah, wow. Like no rules, no gloves, no time limit, headbutts, groin shots. Everything is legal, like crazy. Yeah. It's just like, 
I, I was willing to do that for nothing for free. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's dogs like that too. There's some dogs that most dogs, 95% of the dogs in the world find the idea of actually getting to the end of that continuum unbelievably distasteful. They are mm. super, they'll do everything they can to stay as far away from it as possible. Yeah. There are a uh, fucking 4% of the dogs in the world that are like, I'm not averse to it. It's not my choice. I don't find it fun. I'll go there. Like they're mm-hmm. willing. Yeah. They're not going to not go. They, but they don't choose it. They're not going to pick it, but they'll fucking totally go. Mm-hmm. And then there's like that 1% dog that's like, fucking right. Like it's I, not, I was born for this. They're like, dude, you just said the best thing in the world. Dude, like, let's fucking do it. You know? Do you, do you think those percentages change when we put them on leads and behind fences? The, of the dogs that are find it enjoyable, no, no, not the ones that find it enjoyable. The ones that are willing, and also the ones that weren't like that. Think I'm not even willing, but now I guess I have to. So what happens is, if you look at kind of the emotional construct, once an emo- if you imagine. Uh, there's a good book uh, that I just read that was called like how emotions are made. Uh, and she talks about uh, looking at emotions as a graph, like an X, Y axis, right? So there's arousal and valent valiance, right? Valence, valiance. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Essentially it means feels good, feels bad, high or low. And it's like an X, Y axis, right? And if you think about it, like on a, on a color chart on the computer, when you're trying to pick a color, it looks like a, this corner is blue and this corner is yellow and this corner is red and this corner is green. And like, it's a, it's a, it's like a, a, a wash from red to blue. Yeah. But at anywhere you put your cursor, the place you put your cursor is a very, you know, 75.6299. And that is a very particular color. It looks like a, just a mush of gradient from one color to the other. And like at this corner, you can see red and at this corner, you can see yellow. But if you put your cursor right there, that is a indigo 17 or whatever. It's like, it's a very particular color, right? She looks at emotions like that, right? Mm. So like there's all the way uh, arousal, very high, very low. And then there's feels good, feels bad. So like the difference between a haunted house where what feels like an ax murderer might jump out. It's very high arousal and it's very close. It's almost feels bad, but not quite like it hasn't quite crossed the line to actual feels bad. Some people that same experience for them, it's across the line. It feels bad. They don't like haunted houses for some people. It's not even scary at all. So for them, it's like low arousal feels good, mm-hmm. but they're, they don't get an adrenaline dump because it's not high arousal. So it's like, on one corner, you could see like all out rage. And on the other corner, you could see like complete flat depression. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it's an interesting way to look at it. It is. Because like relaxed is low arousal, but feels good. Whereas depressed is low arousal, but feels bad. Yeah. Mm. Excited is high arousal, feels good. But angry is high arousal, feels bad. Right. Yeah. yeah so people. Yeah say like you can't biologically tell the difference between you know a haunted house and an actual murder like it's cortisol it's adrenaline it's mm-hmm. s activation your blood vessels dilate you know what i mean like yeah so what's the difference well biologically there's not much of a difference well you're talking about arousal level biological but not how it you experience it, it feels bad well like excitement like, and yes excitement and anxiety 
they I've heard come from the same part of the brain and has the same physiological response to the body. But, but the valiance, yes. whether so valiance is a is a is a term I can't remember if it's physics or engineering. Somebody finally explained it to me, where it's like a it's a word about like magnets. Like, is it aversive or appetitive? Yes. Are you attracted to it or repelled by it? So that's why it's arousal and valence. So like tonight you fight in the in the <laughs> octagon with no rules and no gloves, and Jay is feeling excited, Panos is feeling anxious. Yes. So yes. for me, the difference is we both have high arousal, but part more of me, and I do get nervous and I do get scared. So it's not all the way good feeling. Totally. Yep. But it's just the mag. I'm on the scale of is it appetitive or aversive? Are you attracted? Uh-huh, yes. Okay. Or from it, mm-hmm. it's just scary, but it's just tipped enough that I am attracted more than scared. Yes. If it was all the way attracted, there would be no bad feelings at all. It'd be like, fuck yeah, hundred percent attracted. Or if it's mm-hmm. all bad feelings, hundred percent repelled. But yeah, it's basically arousal and repulsion attraction, like mm-hmm. arousal and magnet. Does I that like that. Yes, no, definitely. It's great. It's great. Yeah, but yeah. That's the problem. And so the, the the reason I brought it up is because any emotion, regardless of whether it feels good, feels bad, whether we could put it on a very particular part and call that anxiety and put it, move it to another part and somebody else would call it, you know, frustration. Like you can put the exact cursor and it's a very different specific emotion, but it's like, if you back up and look at it, it kind of gets blurred. Right. And so we get into these arguments about that's not mauve, that's indigo or whatever. And you're like, it's two cursor like clicks over, but yes. that's not that's not off white. That's eggshell. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, okay, whatever. But yeah. like that's what I'm saying is that we get into these arguments about these differences in emotion, but like understanding the graph is very helpful. Well, and also and- further from that is not to be too sciencey. Have like the artistic craft to it. Like I like to um, do martial arts. I've been recently the last few years, you know, dabbling with jujitsu. I wish I could do more of it. Just trying to find time in life. Actually, my son, um, we just signed him up last week. He's officially in jujitsu. Um, he goes today as well. Um, so, um, so I and I want to talk a little bit about that. But for example, there's the um, there's a feeling to it. Like, I don't know the moves. So I'm doing the role. And because the guy, because I've done martial arts before, but nothing, it wasn't jujitsu, it was a different Japanese art. So I've got the movement. I just don't have the finished technique. So I'm like rambling around and the guy's like, you know, get get side guard, side guard. And I'm like, is he even talking to me? What is a a side guard? And I'm just like, I'm just doing whatever without trying to hit this guy. Um, And and at the end, I went up to him like, oh, he's side guard, like me on the side (laughs) grabbing my legs around one foot. He's like, yes, that's what he's like. Oh, you didn't know that. But he, but it looked like I did because I had movement, but I didn't yeah, know yeah. the the terms. I think yeah, in dog, yeah. in dog training, people know the terms, but they don't know the feeling. Like there's a yes. feeling and you need to go with that as well as like knowing where are we on a graph. And then, yeah, and yeah. then other people have just feeling, but then they have no idea of a graph and how to replicate it. It's just like, I just did that thing. I don't, I don't know what I did. Oh, uh, there's so much in jujitsu. You hear somebody, you'll go, how'd you do that sweep? And they'll be like, I don't know. And you're like, did fuck, I, man. I swear. <laughs> yeah. I've seen you do three people exactly the same. How do you not know? They're like, I don't know. But that thing I was saying about the arousal <clears throat> is any emotion that gets to a certain level of arousal, a certain level of sympathetic nervous system activation any emotion that gets to a high enough RPM will demand action. Mm-hmm. So I can be scared, but if my arousal level is not high, I can experience fear, but not activate my SNS. 
I can be angry and I can do deep breathing and I can control my arousal level and I can be angry, but it won't demand action mm-hmm. <laughs> at a certain level of activation of arousal, any emotion, regardless of flavor, any, I can be so depressed or not. De- I can be so like sad that at a certain point, I'm going to start pulling out my hair and rocking. I, it's going to demand some sort of action Yes, yes. because the SNS is designed to create action to alleviate bad feeling. When the balance gets too high, when it feels bad and the arousal is too high, even if it feels good and the arousal is too high, like, do you know what I mean? Like you'll run in a circle and do a cartwheel because you won the fucking lottery. That feels yes. good. Yes. But your SNS got so aroused that it demanded Had some sort out. of you'll yeah. clap your hands, you'll fucking hoot and holler. Yes. It's like, at a certain level of arousal, it demands action of you, right? And so, like the dogs, the 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 fences, the leashes, the frustration, that doesn't change the balance. It doesn't make dogs more attracted to the idea of a fight, but it causes more irritation, yeah. and that irritation compounds, and then their SNS gets activated, and at a certain level, it will demand action. So I can make somebody angry enough that even though they're petrified to fight me, they will punch me in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can fucking poke them and prod them and irritate them enough, and they yeah. have, they were in no way more attracted to the idea. Mm-hmm. But it demanded action of them because the arousal level got so high that their body was like, "We got to do something." And it's like vomit. You're like, "I don't even want to do this." Yeah, it's coming out. There's nothing I can do. And so, like. That's an interesting thing because people don't look at it that way. So they're like, you know what I mean? My dog wants to fight more when he's on a leash. And it's like, no, dude, he doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to fight at all. Yeah. He he has limited options and he's now over. Yes. handle this. And he Mm. like, it's coming out, which is why sometimes they'll redirect onto one another. Mm -hmm. You'll see two dogs that are family mates, love one another, never Mm -hmm. fight. But they'll get so jacked up at a target, they'll start fighting one another. And everybody's like, I don't understand. Yeah. Because they're thinking about it like they're calculating, like they're like, I'm so angry at that dog, I'm going to attack you. That's weird. Like, mm. why would I attack my housemate? And you're like, dude, they're not thinking. At a certain level of arousal, emotion supersedes thought and demands action of you. Definitely. I love that. Yeah. I guess that that would be a great um, time to talk about the laid stress model. I do. <laughs> I, and I know that could be like another seven hours of talking, but, um, sure, sure. but it'd be nice to kind of just express in a, you know, in, in a, in a general way um, to the listeners, what is the laid stress model? We've discussed it before. I, sure. um, I know that you are the, the person to talk about it the best. Um, and it's really important because we just see behavior as behavior and not understanding why. So we've talked a little bit about the, the arousal and, and, and how you feel, what is the laid stress model and how does that play into it? So the idea is that every being has a certain threshold for stress. Like if we're using the terms we were just using, every person has a part on that graph, like on the speedometer of arousal, everybody's got a certain line that once they hit that line, it's coming out like, and it's not going to be a conscious thought. It's not going to be a decision you've made. It's not based on reinforcement and punishment. It's just, it's coming out, you know, it's like, once they hit their level, their threshold for whatever their level of stress tolerance is, they're going to have their episode, whatever that looks like. Right. Um, and it's just this, again, it's like how I said, we treat in some ways we treat dogs as if they should be super cognitive. Like they should not only have human like thoughts, but they should be at a competent 
15 year old kids level, not even like a three year old, like yeah. an adult, like in a well formed intellectual, you know, smart, cool, you know, cult. <laughs> yeah, it has to be cool. You know I mean? Exactly. Yes. It's fucking crazy, you know, but like in other aspects, we don't do it at all. Like with people, we have an innate understanding of the layered stress model, but with dogs, we never do. So, like with people, if you came home and you had slightly undercooked the meatloaf, and your partner cut into it, saw the pink and started like hyperventilating and they flipped over their table and they punched a wall and they just like bashed the table and then cried in a corner. No one would go, man, my partner has a really severe undercooked meatloaf trigger. Do you know what I mean? Like my partner has undercooked meatloaf reactivity issues. It's and so then true. let's set a training protocol. Like we need to desensitize and counter condition. I'm going to give you undercooked meatloaf and give you Skittles, or I'm going to like slowly undercook the meatloaf until you acclimate. I'm going to flood you. I'm just going to cram it in your mouth until you accept it, you know, punish you for doing it, differentially reinforce you for not like nobody would address the meatloaf. Everybody would go immediately like, dude, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like what's happening? Yes. I mean, like what's going on? Cause it's not the fucking like, there's obviously clearly not the fuck meatloaf. Mm -hmm. What's up? And then that. we would anticipate them telling us about this crazy shit in their life and all the bad things that have happened and stacked up, you know, the layers of stress. Mm -hmm. So the problem is dogs can't talk. And if we don't make that assumption for them, that there is a such thing as a layers of stress and that that layer of stress can cause you to have what looks like a trigger reaction, but is truthfully just a stacking of stress that goes past your ability to deal. Right. So we can't have them tell us about their terrible bad day. So we have to like do forensic fucking evidence. Like we're trying to put together a crime scene. we got to figure out based on the footprints, what's going on, you know? And so the idea is I tried to make a basic, this is not exhaustive. Of course, this is like simplified for Joe blow owner, but just a real basic Here's the basic layers of stress to look out for, right? So the first layer of stress is health. If your dog is being violent because its leg is broken, there's no amount of prong collars or cookies that are going to fucking help you. And everybody kind of forgives acute conditions. Like if my dog bit me and he's never bitten me before and I found out his leg was broken, we would immediately go, oh, his leg's broken. As yeah. that, like, as if that explains it. Yeah. Because immediately we understand the layers of stress are too high. Mm -hmm. But nobody thinks like, man, have you ever considered your dog having a headache? Mm. Like literally. they have blood vessels, literally. literally. Like yeah. headaches are caused by vasoconstriction. Like they got mm -hmm. blood vessels in their head, stands to reason they must have headaches. Now I'm not suggesting that you use the layered stress model as an explanation or an excuse. Mm, the best use on. of the layered stress model is in diagnostic or in anticipation. Yeah. Like I expect a change in criteria or a change in behavior based on health issues I'm aware of. And that changes my plan and my understanding of what I'm asking for. And so the idea is like when you're diagnosing what you're doing with a dog, I had a good example is the first time this really hit me was I had a dog that we were working and we were working on his aggression stuff. And we we're talking about incompatible behaviors. We're putting him on a place board. So when a dog goes past, he's got a job to do and rewarding him with a tug toy. Like, you know, we were toggling between incompatible and alternative behaviors. And that's a great plan. You know what I mean? And of course, we're going to use a little negative reinforcement because this is serious business. He's killing dogs. So like, we're going to have to say, Hey man, I'm going to pay you and I'm going to make it worth your while. And I'm going to make it accomplishable. But do you know what I mean? There will be like, you got to get back on the bed. If you step For off sure. the bed, you seriously got to get back on the bed. There's no bullshit. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And we were expecting based on past performance, a certain criteria, like we're expecting him to do about this good today. And we bring out the trigger dog, bring out the decoy dog. And we got a performance that was not at all what I anticipated. And of course, if there's, if there's a regression and we're willing to use negative reinforcement, that regression would suggest everybody in the world goes, turn it up, man, put it on him. Like he's not taking it seriously today. He's decided, fuck the bullshit. It's competing motivator. He's, he's making a decision. He's blowing off his criteria. And so just like everybody else in the world that is willing to use negative reinforcement, my brain goes, Hey man, give him a reason. And because Chad Mack and oh, like a little angel sits on my shoulder. <laughs> I hear like, what about the Laird stress model, Jay? Right? You may have a headache, bro. Mm. I'm like, real quick. I just real quick. Hey, before before I make the decision about how we're going to deal with this criteria break, before I make the decision, real quick, man, just real quick, run me through. Like IT just called. And they say, is it plugged in? Is it turned on? Hey, right quick, man. Is everything similar with your dog's health? You had any health issues with your dog in the last couple of days? Oh, he was shitting blood this morning before we came to train. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Not that I'm saying. That's why. Now you, now you have no criteria for place. Yes. Who gives a shit? I'm not a fucking hippie. I'm not an idiot. But I also am like, man, that would have been beneficial to know yeah, because I might have reduced criteria anticipating a lower level of stress tolerance based on an elevated level of stress in another layer. Perfect. You know what I mean? And because mm-hmm. I had that understanding, I didn't pressure the dog. I didn't yep. hammer. I didn't go, hey, motherfucker, stop screwing around because it wasn't a sudden lack of motivation. It mm-hmm. was a sudden increase of pressure. Yeah. I mean, and so it's like, okay, that changed the way I handled that dog today. And that's awesome. Right. So like the layers, understanding layers of stress. So the first layer of stress is health, right? Uh, The next layer of stress up is lifestyle. And we're not going to go crazy deep because I could do a whole fucking seminar on lifestyle, but it's like literally lifestyle says that the further they get away from their life that they were designed to live, the, 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 the functions and the expressions they were designed to have, the more stress there is. And people are like this too. We weren't designed for nine to five jobs under fluorescent light bulbs. Like we were designed to move our bodies and be in nature. And like the further we get away from that, the more unhappy we get also, you know? And so like the first goal for me is give them exactly what they were meant for. Literally exactly what they were meant for. Give you a job. Mm. Dude, not even a job, but like, and so that's an interesting thing. If you say, give them a job, sometimes they imply like, any job, just a job, just a job. Yeah, no, like, yes. Your teenage kid, get a fucking job. Mm-hmm. You don't care. What you, get. you don't care if he's flipping burgers. Flipping burgers doesn't fulfill that fucking kid. No, You're fuck, just saying, yes. Get a fucking job, dude. Get a job. Yeah. Dickhead. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's a certain amount of like, you got to learn to eat the shit sandwich as an mm-hmm. adult. So, like, you got to deal with it. Like, so get a job. Yeah. What I mean is find your fulfillment. That's right. Because we tell kids, get a job. After we tell them, find the musical instrument, find the sport, find the scholastic subject that makes your heart sing and pursue the fuck out of that. Pursue it like it's your whole fucking life. Mm -hmm. And also, in the meantime, get a fucking job. (laughs) I'm totally totally with you. And the bill, get a fucking job. Yeah. So, yes, my dog is going to do random, arbitrary bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because not not because I believe they need it. If I lived on a deserted island with my dog, I would do zero zero obedience. There would be absolutely zero obedience. The only fucking reason I do any obedience with my dog at all is because we live in a world that will kill it if it fucks things up. So I've got to teach him to walk on a fucking arbitrarily short fucking leather line because mm-hmm. the law says I have to. And if the law says I have to, or they're going to kill it, then I got to teach him how to do it without fucking hating his life. So sure. I got to teach him to get a job. Like he's got to work. <laughs> but most people say, give your dog a job as in, as if that were fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Me, just like a kid, get a fucking job, flipping burgers, cutting the lawn. Yeah. That's not what fulfills you. That's what True. you do because you must, because the world lives a certain way and you got to learn to get along in it. Yeah. That's not what fulfills you. Flip burgers and cutting lawns all day, every day and had no passion. That sucks. Yeah. I think people overdo obedience in the assumption it's fulfillment because people have said, give them a job, not give them the job nature gave them. Yeah. That's the job nature gave them is very different than the job somebody's going to sit down, stand. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's exactly. very different. 100%. So it's like, if you have a hurting dog, take them actually hurting. Mm-hmm. If you can't take them actually hurting, find the closest possible surrogate you can, like fucking tray ball or something. And if you can't give them a really close surrogate, give them something that on the surface doesn't look like it at all, but internally spins the same dials, like border collies that do obedience. You know what I mean? Obedience doesn't look at all like hurting. No. As far as like the activity itself from a meta view. Mm -hmm. But and the dog is trying to be precise, listening to their owner, making moves and stopping and keeping their eyes and reading the signals and doing Mm -hmm. it exactly just so. You know, be very careful. Like quick and stop and freeze and stare and do Mm -hmm. it right and pay attention to mom. Like it's not on the surface. It's like, oh, that's very different from hurting. But internally- it can spin a lot of the same dials yeah. that hurting us. So if that dog is fulfilled by obedience, that's awesome, but it's only fulfilled by obedience because it happens to be spinning the dials that they wanted to be spun by hurting. Yeah. So if you take another dog that's into other shit and try to fulfill them by doing that obedience, they're not fulfilled No. because for them, it's not spinning the dials they want. Yeah. So for me, I like fucking bulldogs, but it's like, I can't give them a surrogate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't give them the act. I can't put them in a pit. I'm not putting them. Mm-hmm. So like, if I'm not going to bait them against other animals, like I am stuck only with Sarah. I cannot. Most people with their preferred breed can actually give them, join the fucking PSA club, dude. Like go to the fucking duck herding guy, like take them pig hunting. You know what I mean? Like do the real thing. Do the real dude. things. Yeah. And if as you real can, as you can. If you can't do the actual thing, do it as fucking close as you can, right? Yeah. But like for me with my dogs, I can't. Like I can't, cannot do what they were bred to do. So I'm stuck only with surrogate activities. And so I got to try to give them the closest surrogate activity I can. People look at a spring pole and see that. People look at me playing tug and like smashing them with an empty water bottle while we're playing tug. And they're like, oh, I see. I see the natural obvious surrogate to fighting. I mm-hmm. see what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they don't see things like weight pull. Weight pull doesn't look at all on the surface. It's not the same energy. It's not the same. Uh, there's not a lot of movement. There's no biting at all. Like it's not in, in on the surface. It looks very, very different. But inside, like you will not stop me 
dad's going, come on, buddy, you can do it. The dog has a little bit of doubt, but listens to dad and leans into it and doesn't let it fucking break him. Like that's very similar internally. Yes. So even externally, it doesn't look the same internally. It is mm-hmm. so It's like lifestyle says, give them the life that they were meant for. If there's any safe, possible, plausible way, give them the actual thing. If you can't give them the closest possible surrogate, you can, if you can't find a close surrogate, give them something that might on the surface be totally different, but inside is reaching as close to those dials as you can reach, you know, because without doing it, you're fighting uphill against this fucking layer of stress and all their behaviors are going to be significantly impacted because their layers of stress are high because their lifestyle sucks. Next layer of stress up is the leash. I'm sorry. Clarity. Clarity is the next layer. Clarity just says that, you know, like, man, you need, uh, to understand how to navigate your world, to be reduced in stress, you know? And the problem is in dog training, everybody goes to structure, just like lifestyles. People say, give them a job. And I know what people mean and well-meaning people mean what I said about fulfill their lifestyle, mm-hmm. but it comes across as give them a fucking job, which turns mm-hmm. into go cut the lawn. Would and you that, say that we say that because we're so used to seeing the everyday person that walks their dog on Sundays only. And I'm like, dude, you, you need to give your dog a mm-hmm. job. Obedience training and lucid walking is the entry point. Yes. Because they're but not going imagine, to GRC like, tomorrow. Because like, far right, they don't walk their dog every day. Semantics are important. And this is the thing where I think we fuck around in dog training. Like words matter. If we're going to use them, they matter. Right. Okay. Yep. So like when you tell an owner, it's not that different. It doesn't take much more time or much more explanation to say, give them a purpose. True. Give them a job. True. Give them a purpose. Don't take that. But like, I can tell like, Hey man, your dog needs a purpose. And -hmm. somebody's not like, what does that mean? They're like, I get it. I understand. Okay. It's going to be hard for them to fuck that up. Because nobody thinks my dog's purpose is going for a walk. My dog's, my dog's purpose is. I guess the purpose is like the adjective and the job is the, is like the verb. It's like. Like give them purpose. Oh, the purpose. Like, you know, I love them. And that's like, well, no, no, no. Like you got to make them do stuff. And that's where the job element comes to it. But yes. have a job with purpose. Then that sounds like, well, now you're yes. getting into the depths of it. We want to have the, lot, the one-liners, but it, but all of this isn't one-liner. It's 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 well, layered, so right? You want to yeah. have a one-liner, right? And all one-liners are going to be short. All yeah. one-liners, like any elevator pitch is incomplete. So what you got to do is decide it's like successive approximation. The skill you teach the dog right now is not the skill that you want, but it's as close as you're going to get without going the wrong way. So like your words on a fucking elevator pitch, a one liner meant to inspire a person and inform a person, it's going to be wrong. Yeah. It can't be right because it takes, True. we need a book for it. Yeah. It takes months of practice and thinking and nuance to understand the depth of what we're talking about. So like, I'm yeah. going to successively approximate you. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I got to choose words that make you miss closer to the target and not accept the fact that I'm making you miss the target by farther because we're going to miss the target. Yeah. Good you know point. what I'm saying? So yeah, like, man, it, yeah. give your dog a purpose. And mm-hmm. like, that's a throwaway line, yeah. but it will get you, it will get more people closer to what I mean than give them a job. Because they'll go, oh, cool. Got it. Give them a job. I like, I give my kid a job. I make my kid do chores and cut the fucking lawn. And he's not a fulfilled human because of it. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you do. But you, before you made him cut the lawn, you labored over which fucking sport he was going to play. 
You know what I mean? Like you, you well, like to give him a job, he had to have purpose. Otherwise, as a kid, that's not cutting the lawn anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Do like mm. he cuts the lawn to get the bike because the bike is his purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. He that. cuts the lawn so he can have permission to go play soccer with his friends because soccer with his friends is his purpose. True. Well, do you know what I mean like? Yeah. But yeah, like what, I, when I went to train because I got a coolie, so you know the the herding dog is a, is the appropriate thing. And for me to, I mean, it's in the middle of Sydney, like for me to go find sheep is is ridiculous. So yes. yeah, we play tug and 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 the ball is like a ritual that we do seven times a day and yes. yes i'm teaching him new commands because i'm getting bored telling him to do the same shit over and over again but i need to challenge him and yes. and the purpose of it is the fulfillment of fulfill that prey drive and the yes. connection between me and him and then because of that when he saw the other thing that would not ordinarily trigger him he's like no nah. like, of course yeah whatever mm-hmm. good man like but without it he's like i'm chasing that thing because i don't even know what i'm doing I'm a much worse person out of the gym. Yes. I lift really stupid heavy and I fight every day. I fucking choke the shit out of people every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm the most mellow, polite. I hold the doors for people. I say, please, thank you. Like, you can't get me upset. You know what I mean? Like, nobody makes me mad. I never, I've never raised my voice. I never yell at anybody. I've never said any mean thing to my spouse. Like, I just... You can't, you, I'm unflappable. You can't yeah. make me, you know what I mean? But 100%. it's like, but it's because I have effective places to put all my urges and stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I because uh, in the layered stress, your, your health is good, um, like under check, the lifestyle is not, and then the clarity is able to be even addressed. You can't do it without the two fundamental foundations like of the, the triangle. People, so the idea is that when I tell people clarity, everybody goes structure, but structure is the antithesis of lifestyle. So, like, you got to think about spinning plates. Mm -hmm. If I have structure, my dog's in a box, comes out of the box, goes on a place board, does not go through the door before me. Every bit of affection gets a fucking obedience behavior before it can't get on the furniture. Like, fucking structure, like dog Mm. structure, right? Mm -hmm. You can fucking achieve massive amounts of clarity but like at the cost of lifestyle yeah so people have to think about the spinning plates how do i increase my clarity without decreasing my lifestyle Mm -hmm. so structure is a way to give clarity but it's a high cost way to give clarity and people don't think about it like that you Mm -hmm. know so i think especially people that think give them a job is fulfilling their purpose now the more structure i use means they're on the job more which means they're more fulfilled you listen to what I say because I say give a dog a job and structure of a routine. And these are general words we use, but I, I know what you're saying. Well, I, yes, that's true. If you saw somebody a year later with a dog on fucking constant lockdown going, look how fulfilled he is with all this structure, you'd be like, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? Oh, no, that's not what I meant. You're like, yeah, yeah. but you said structured fulfillment. I'm like, fuck, man, that's not what I meant, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, got to be careful. But uh-huh. it's like. That, that idea of clarity. So I think consistency in your expectations and consistency in your language. Those are the two big money items that don't affect. So I, if I'm very clear, my dog can always jump on the counter or my dog never jumps on the counter. And that's clear. Mm-hmm. And they know it. Oh, man. Inconsistency is when sometimes I don't care. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I get very mad. Sometimes I think it's hilarious. And then the dog doesn't know what to do. So he pisses me off. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, you know what? Place. Yeah. And I'm going to place him because he needs structure because he's fucking his shit up. Mm. But no, your clarity and what you expect of the dog is bad. Yeah. And so you have to 
structure to offset your lack of clarity. So clarity in your language and clarity in your expectations are big money ways to increase the dog's overall clarity, reducing stress, but not having to dip too heavy into structure, thereby affecting lifestyle. Does that make sense? hundred percent. I love that. We have the leash, man. The leash is, the leash is a, a weird thing because is that the, the tip? Only, is the leash the tip of the pyramid? Uh, the leash is the next one under okay, triggers. Yep. The leash is the next one up, right? The leash is the last layer of stress outside of actual triggers, right? Mm. But the leash is like, it's the only place we disagree with dogs on, right? Like, so for tens of thousands of years, we co-evolved together. We think of eye contact the same, body pressure the same. We negotiate the same way. The force continuum that we use is identical. Like, we feel the same way about possessions and space. Like, we're so fucking in tune. It's beyond any two other, you know, species that have co-evolved together. It's crazy. Like, chimpanzees will follow you. They'll look at your finger. They won't look at what you're pointing at. Dogs look at what you're pointing at. Yeah. That's crazy, you know? So, it's like... It's a, we've evolved together in a way that is very cool, right? Which is awesome. And for tens of thousands of years, it's worked, except this one subject, travel speed and proximity. We differ in travel speed and proximity. That is the only mm-hmm. place that we differ naturally, right? So we travel about two miles an hour. They travel about four. Mm-hmm. For us, our social connection is about six feet. It's why COVID was. I want to feel disconnected. So I need you to stay outside six feet. They didn't do fucking sneeze tests. Why do you think that centuries or decades apart, right? Decades apart, COVID was a six foot distance to maintain social uh, distance was six feet outside, six feet safe leashes decades ago. How long are leashes? Six foot long. Why are leashes six feet long? Why aren't they four feet? Why aren't they seven feet? Six foot is about where we start to feel connection. Mm. When we want to be connected, we want inside six feet. When we want disconnection, we want outside six feet. Mm. So our genetic predisposition for social connection is six feet. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Dogs, it's like 50 yards. <laughs> they go way the fuck off, look over yeah. your shoulder. Yeah, you're still there. And then they go way off. Yeah. Now with leashes in the woods, we are different but we forgive our differences because I get to go my perfect speed and they get to go their perfect speed. We're not inhibited by the other's decision or preference. We're like, we're not the same, but it don't matter. It's all good. No problem. They get to go out enough that they don't feel inhibited, but they tend to come close enough that we don't feel disconnected mm-hmm. and we forgive each other our differences. And so f- throughout history for tens of thousands of years, we've been in perfect harmony. With this one thing that we're different about, but it doesn't matter because we never yeah. had to address it. It's no big deal. Yeah. Until 30, 40, 50 years ago. And Whack it's like, that man, thing on. On leash, put that dog on a leash, put that dog on a leash. The most unnatural thing. I always said leash is the most unnatural thing we do to dogs. The way you just explained it, encompassed and explained everything without me knowing those facts. And that's really, really cool. That's like, I didn't, it's like, I haven't made it up. I just acknowledged it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, I didn't, I don't, I didn't make up gravity. I'm just like the apple hit me in the head. You're like, yeah. Yeah. That hits you if you stand under it, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's not some genius thing. It's just like noticing the thing. Yeah. But this is true. It, right. Our perspective and our lack of empathy, because empathy is the ability to see from another's perspective. Right. And so what happens is 
when we view what we're asking the dog to endure as unnatural and arbitrary, and we know we can't explain it to them, and it's going to suck from their perspective, we help them. And when we don't have the ability to help them, we forgive them. (laughs) So if we're going to put the dog in a crate, we go, man, getting locked in a little box would suck. So I'm going to, I assume you're going to think this sucks. So let me help you. And we put food in the thing and little crate games and going in and going out and click when you sniff it and a big crate and then smaller and smaller crates and puzzle games and all this shit. And we try to help them accept this totally unnatural, arbitrary thing that they can't possibly understand why we're doing it. Yeah. And we help them. And if we do not have the ability to help because we don't have time and it's an emergency, we cram them in the box because we have to, but we forgive them. Nobody goes, why don't you want to get in a tiny little box with a locked door? Mm-hmm. We go, yeah, that's fucking terrible. This yeah. sucks. I'm sorry. I am mm-hmm. sorry. I have to. Nail trims, muzzles, crates, veterinary care. We help them. And in a moment where we are unable to help them, we forgive their descent. Mm-hmm. And right? now the leash. Complete and opposite, right? For everything. Everything wow. that's absolutely unnatural and arbitrary. But we know when it's unnatural and arbitrary because for us, it's the same. We see boxes would suck. Things stuck to my face would suck. An unexplainable, painful thing you're doing to my finger would suck. And I think it would suck if you did it to me with no explanation. Mm. So let me help you and let me forgive you. But when we put them on leashes, we're going the perfect speed at the perfect proximity. So what the fuck is your problem? (laughs) We do not help them. And well, we do not forgive mm-hmm. We fight with them. We get angry at them. We think they're being shitty and rude and mean and intolerant and just bad. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Nobody would get mad if they put a muzzle on a dog and the muzzle spent the entire time fighting it. You're just like, yeah, it sucks, dude. Now I expect you to get used to it and I'm going to try to help you. And if I can't help you, I'm going to forgive you. And if it eventually yeah. just fucking, but we never go, what the fuck, man? Why are you trying to get that muzzle off? Why do you not want to get in that crate? Why won't you let me dremel your toenail? We don't get mad. We're like, yeah, I get it. This is arbitrary and stupid. And you can't possibly understand why I'm asking you to do it. So let me help you. and Let me forgive you. But we don't do that with leashes because we lack the empathy to see from Mm. their perspective because we don't understand. We differ on travel speed and proximity. Very interesting. Even if you don't change your training, how you do leashes, if you use the same tools and the same concepts, just changing your perspective yeah, will make you less mad at them, which makes them less pissed about what you are doing to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you cram a dog into a crate and you're like, I'm sorry, and you do it in a kind and gentle, unfortunate way, they're less mad than if you were like, get in the fucking box, you piece of shit. Mm. So just changing your perspective on their view of the leash changes everything about your relationship with them about the leash and their relationship with you about the leash. I love that. And then of course you can change it. You could, you know, a little leash pressure food, a little leash pressure mark, a little, you know what I mean? Like you can actually change it. Yeah. Treat it like any other arbitrary thing that you do, you know? True. Um, so anyway, but that's like the leash. And then the last thing is triggers. And the truth is if you crush the layered stress model, most dogs don't actually have, if I take a dog, that is formerly dog reactive, crazy dog reactive, trigger of dogs. And I get them healthy and I give them a fucking amazingly fulfilling lifestyle and I 
clarity of expectations. We have language in the bank mm-hmm. where they know what I'm saying and they know what to do and they know how to respond and it's all good. And I've acclimated them to where they're at least neutral, if not appetitive about their leash pressure. And we take that dog and walk them, walk them past the dog. There's 99.9% of the time. There's no fucking issue. They're not reactive. Anymore. It, I had this session. Um, we'll meet up at the park because you live too far away from me. So two hour session, an hour and a half inches, like panels. Um, my dog's reactive to dogs and like, we haven't seen a dog yet. And I'm like, listen, you got like no control, no connection, no nothing without a dog. Like, let's yes. like, so let's get what you want here before I pull my dog out of the car. Cause the last half an hour of my dog being around, that is like, that. that's not even as important as everything that's happening prior to it. And I, I put clients on that model of like, we need to square the layered stress model way before we get to triggers. Yeah. You're not clear and consistent in your language and communication. Mm-hmm. We don't even need, of course, we're going to have a problem with triggers. Of course, of course we are. And that's why then when the dog meets you first off the bat, you start doing this, you know, like showing them what leash pressure is and working on, like, you're not going to change your whole lifestyle in the, in the hour you met them, but you've been clear and you are helping them. And then, oh, there's a dog over there. Hey, like, and we do a thing, counter conditioning, making space, using, like, whatever it is. The dog's like, yeah, what's up? Like, what are we doing? This is, this makes sense. And that's why they're like, oh my God, you do magic. Yeah, this is like, well, not really at all. I'm just. Literally, it's just layered stress model. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as the dog rocks up, I can immediately start behaving in ways that make sense to the dog because I'm clear. Yeah. I'm clear in my communication. I'm clear in my expectations. I'm forgiving and tolerant with the leash. I try to show them what it means, but I also don't have a bad attitude about it. And I'm like, mm. I'm helping them understand the shitty thing that I'm asking them to do. And I go, I know, buddy. I'm not. It sucks. I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. Hey, let me show you. Let me have a little leash pressure. Click reward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. let me show you. Let me help you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let me I love that. You. Um, we're going like, like we could talk for like hours and hours and hours. I want to ask one more question um, before we wrap it up. And look, and this is like another, like me, me and you. Look, you love your analogies. I love my analogies, and the way that we describe, I think we we teach very similar. Um, hence why we're just we're just, we're gelling here. But um, but the GRC now. Look, uh, the reason why I kind of had the 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 way I I asked the questions. Maybe I'm getting better at interviewing people. Is that well, we've talked about all the things, the problems. Let's say so. I want you to just maybe as brief as you can. What is GRC and what its main focus? And now just hearing that and knowing what GRC is myself is that. But it but it's a way to fulfill the layered stress model, especially for the dogs that you're most passionate about. Because it may not be for every dog, but give us a little bit of a rundown. So <laughs> GRC dog sports is uh, a dog sport that I helped found uh, years ago. Now, Jesus Christ, it was almost 10 years ago. Holy shit. That's wow. That just blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, wow. I think I started the Facebook group. Uh, and for a long time it was private and there was only like four or five people on it. And we were just like, it was my idea. And I was just back and forth. What do you guys think? And we didn't know what it was called or anything, you know? Uh, but I think I started that group in 2014. Uh, yeah, I think 2014 was when me and Chad first started talking about it and I was saying how I wanted to do it on the podcast. Um, but basically, uh, the idea is that, uh, there's these pit bull sports that I grew up around doing like a weight pole, wall climb, treadmill, spring pole, but all of those sports that were cool pit bull sports were just expressive. So most sports are either expressive or control oriented, right? They're Mm -hmm. either drive expression or drive control. 
And so like AKC obedience is all control. There's no expression. Dock diving is all expression, no control. And so like most sports are very heavy on expression or very heavy on control without expression. And most of the sports that are really, really dialed in on both fronts also tend to involve biting people-shaped targets, mm-hmm. right? Like IPO, PSA, you know what I mean? French ring, Mondio, all these things. Like they're very, the dogs get to express themselves to the fullest and yeah. they also have really good control. But the potential problem for me is that they're biting human-shaped targets, which I don't have a problem with. I fucking love the sports. I watch them. I train with people that do them. I'll get in a suit. I'll help people work. It's no problem. But a lot of the dogs that, I am hired to help are from organizations or with people who are 100% not going to do that. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to do it. And if you suggest it, they're going to run, they're going yeah. ah, to yeah. run away. Right. Uh, or they're dogs that grew up in the games that I'm talking about. They're like well-bred pit bulls and like dudes that already do weight pull, already do wall climb, already do that shit. And I'm trying to convince them, Hey, there's another element. If we could put some control, if we could put some obedience, put some clarity into these dogs, you could get a lot of mileage. And they're like, okay, that sounds interesting. What should I do? Quit all your sports and go do this new sport. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, it's, well, what about weight pull? Yeah. Fuck weight pull. Go do PSA. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So what I really wanted when I started training with all these sport people, trying to understand the idea of drive expression and control, not being uh, contradictory to one another. Uh, obviously I started training with sport people because they're the ones that have that idea. And everybody's like, you got to do the sports. You got to do the games that we play. And I'm like, man, I don't want to give up on my games. I just wish there was a version that had control also. So I could do this, these sports, but like what you're doing with the other stuff. And it's like that be the change you got to see in the world. You know, like I, it didn't exist. So I was like, let's just make it and just do it for people, you know? And the basic beginning of it was this realization that, Negative reinforcement is a wonderful way to get reliability. Obviously, that's why we use it, but it's not a very good way to get like enthusiasm in overachieving. It's a great way to get like, hey man, seriously, you got to do it. And you'll get to the, the standard, you'll get to the minimum, whatever you're demanding, you'll get to, but you won't get more. They won't be like, can I do more? Can I do extra? It's like, they're going to do whatever removes the pressure. Yeah. And so when I was in the pet dog world, what I saw was everybody did the minimum. You hear this all the time. People complain. My clients do just enough to get out a little bit. The first time they get a little bit of control, then they quit training and they're backsliding. And And then when I started training with sport people, I would watch this like, dude, if I was in a pet dog seminar and somebody drove two, three hours, it was like, oh, cool. If somebody flew there from another state, you're like, wow, you're dedicated. You know what I mean? Like that's yes. a big fuck. Dude, I went to Ivan's place. First time I went to like a real sport dog seminar, I was at Ivan's place. And there was a dude, what's in Florida? There was a dude that drove from Alaska. Oh, wow. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? Yes. And I was like, and nobody was even impressed. Like nobody was like people like, where are you from? He's like, drove down from Alaska. And they're like this. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. you do when you want to win world championships. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Nobody was even like, holy shit, dude. Everybody went, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. That's what you do. That's, that's expected. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The level of motivation was like, holy fuck, this is different. 
Mm-hmm. But instead of just being like, oh, pet people suck and sport people are rad, I started thinking like, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. In the pet world, we motivate our clients with almost exclusively negative reinforcement. Yeah, true. Don't do this. Your dog's going to bite. If you don't do this, your dog's going to keep being a problem. They're going to keep jumping on the neighbor. They're going to keep barking and pissing you off. Get out of pressure. Train makes the pressure go away. Mm-hmm. Then the moment they relieve even enough pressure that they're experiencing it, but it's just at the basic level of tolerable, they quit because they did enough to make it tolerable. And if the only reason they're doing it is to remove pressure, then they're satisfied. And I realized that sport people aren't doing negative reinforcement. They're doing positive reinforcement. They want the medal. They want the championship. They want the better Mm -hmm. school. And they're chasing a fucking accomplishment. And because of that, there's more enthusiasm for achieving more, extra more. And so I realized the model that I'm using with the dogs, I'm not using with the people. With dogs, I don't just pressure a dog onto place and go do place or else you're fucked. I go, dude, place is how you get tug toys. And now they're like, dude, can I do place again? And I'm like, I don't know. Can you do it good enough? And it's like, I got a dog that wants yes. to do shit because I took something arbitrary and to them meaningless. And instead of going do the thing to get out of the problem, I went do the thing to get the achievement. And now I get a ton of buy-in from dogs on something they thought was uninteresting in the beginning. So why am I applying a totally different model to humans? Do you know what I mean? 100%. And so I was like, okay. So with my clients, I'm like, it wasn't even a sport yet. I was just like, guys, here's the deal. Listen up. This is what we're going to do. All the dogs that I have work spring pools because they're all those dogs and they all need the surrogate activity, right? And I teach all the dogs to out and blah, 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 because I'm training control and drive because that's the way I train. And so I'm like, here's the deal. We're all going to get together. and We're going to have a little spring pool competition. You're going to have five minutes and then like, I'm going to ask you to out at least three times or whatever the, you know what I mean? The early parameters of the sport were, and they were like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then I'm like, but in order to do it, you got to loose leash, walk your dog up to a stranger, say hello, do a couple little figure eights, do a middle, do a down, and then you can qualify and then we can compete. And I had people immediately. This wasn't even for a real sport yet. This was just something on a Saturday we were going to do. They went from training once or twice a week, if I'm lucky, to training like they would send me videos of them training before work in the morning. And how can I get this? He he still breaks his down when we, you know, pop a balloon or something. And you're like, God damn, like the level of push they put in immediately drastically changed. Yes. I was like, holy shit. And it hit me. It's the negative reinforcement model, the positive reinforcement model. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about it on the podcast and I was doing it for my clients and me. And then on the podcast, I was telling Chad, man, this idea of the model switch in motivating clients and somebody would write me and go, Hey man, that sounds awesome. How, how'd you, how many minutes and how many, how long did they have to hold the down for? And can you, you know, do you have any rules written down? And I'm like, nah, I just made it all up. (laughs) So then it like turned into, well, let me write it down so I can share it with you. And then that turned into, well, how do you keep track of like, do you get a title? Do you get points? What is it? And it just organically developed and turned into this thing. Now it's a fully formed sport and it's like out, outgrowing me. It's like turning into its own little grown up entity and like it'll in a year or two, it'll run without my presence. Like it's going to be its own actual legitimate real sport. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty fucking 
cool, you know, that's pretty cool. But the idea is that it was initially trying to change the motivation for people to work with their dog in this way. So if they're going to do the games, which brings fulfillment, they want to do the games because they want to get fulfillment. I mean, they want to get a medal, but their dog wants to enjoy the fulfillment of it, right? But in order to qualify for the games, they got to be able to do this basic work with their dog, which means they got to work on their clarity, their leash tolerance, their layered stress model. Yeah. You know what I mean? They got to work on it. And so like, it's just a way to try to get people to be motivated to learn to live with their dogs better. Yeah. And making it, making purpose work a job, whatever you want to call it, making it part of a normal, like for me, me work, like I've got three dogs. One of them's 12 years old, the Roddy Shepherd mix. He's, he's retired now. He's doing his thing. He's living old age. I've got a little Maltese Pomeranian. So she, you know, is as cool as she can be. Um, she has high ball drive. So we, I still train her daily just, you know, on our walks and stuff. But the, the two-year-old coolie that I have, like, now he needs like real purpose and work. Otherwise he's mental and he's not easy to live with. But I use him like he was out with me all day, every day um, for work. But the people are like, oh, he's so chilled out. I'm like, well, he's not like he's not inherently a chilled out dog. Um, his name's Chili, so I guess he has to be chill. But I guess, um, but he's only like that because he knows he has all everything that you've explained. We do all of that in in, and actually, it's actually specifically because of all of that. It's yeah. just that you've made it in a in a way that it's accessible to to the everyday person and maybe there is like th- there is a specific you know type of dog that would sure. that would um be jolted grc it's not like it's for every single type of dog some dogs some dogs i mean in theory there should theoretically be a sport for any dog in theory because if a dog likes to trot they can get on a mill <laughs> you True. know what i mean so it's like if your dog can walk, they can fucking participate, right? But like again, I'm the goal isn't it's gonna sound weird. The goal isn't to get as many people into GRC as possible. The goal is to have an avenue by which as many dogs as possible can be fulfilled. Exactly. And so for, for some dogs, that's PSA. And for True. some dogs, that's fucking agility. It's like saying everyone should do jujitsu. It's like, but what if I want to do football? It's like, well, do football. What do you like, so that's a little bit different because okay, everyone, 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 every human should be able to use their body in that way, right? Every, every every human being should be comfortable and have a, a history, at least in their youth, of play fighting. True. Play fighting is a natural mammalian thing. Like play fighting is a natural activity human movement pattern it's as natural as any like dude play fighting mating like moving your body through fundamental it's fundamental it really is i agree part of the reason that society has become as sick as it has become is honestly because we have stopped play fighting yeah Uh, we no longer encourage people to play fight uh, past like such a young and stupid age, and we don't even encourage them to do it well. We're just mm. like, yeah, tolerate it in little boys until they're ten or yeah. some shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, man, like humans play fight. Like that is part of our natural interactive social experience. Just like dogs, just like cats, just like everybody. And it's like part of our unfulfillment is because we have devolved away from our understanding and our capability in play fighting. And that's just, I'm talking as 
play as a means of social contact and communication. Definitely. Like play is an important aspect of, of learning. Um, we're definitely not time to go down this road. No, my goodness. Because we do this, we do this with dogs. I do it with dogs, but it's with people as well. Cause it's not just play. It's not just like, Oh, get tired, be tough, you know, whatever roughhouse tumble. It's not that there's understanding Part of the reason that humanity is so devoid of empathy now is because we stopped play fighting. Yeah. Like in play fighting is where you start to understand empathy. Well, it turns on all the senses. That's number one. It'll turn on all the senses and then it and it makes you empathic because are you going too hard? Are we playing too hard? I'm sorry. Or is that not hard enough? Empathy is literally the ability to see what someone's perspective might Mm. be from their viewpoint. Which means I have to take into account how you respond because this thing has bummed you out and made you devalue play. And if I want play to continue, I have to not go there. So I not only have to not do that, I have to not do things that I think might be similar to that. And so now I'm trying to assess my actions based on how I believe from your perspective, you're Mm going to take that is really deep understanding of empathy and like that's some serious neural development in the idea of trying to understand others perspective people hear me talk about play fighting and they think what i'm saying is don't be a bitch like learn how to fucking scrap and of course you're going to hear me say shit like that sometimes because everybody want to be able to fuck fight it's kind of crazy that you can't (laughs) it's kind of nuts that somebody can't move some relatively heavy objects move their body through space and time and fight like if you can't and swim. If you can't do those things, what the yeah. fuck are we doing? What's yeah, happening? Yeah, I agree. However, deeper than that is this understanding of how you affect other people. Mm. And you can cause pain. You can cause suffering. You can cause joy. You can cause frustration. You can cause like a sense of accomplishment in somebody else. And you have to be able to do all those things because play has to be challenging enough to be interesting, but motivating enough to continue. And so you're constantly regulating the amount of pressure and joy that you're bringing to the other person to keep them at a motivated level. But the fact that that is happening in the mind of a fucking Mm three-year-old, 10-year-old, you know what I mean? Like that's bananas. And it literally, the more direct we play with one another, the more directly natural those lessons are. We can learn those same lessons playing soccer, but not as directly. Yeah, it's true. And I so, love like, that. I think everybody should everybody should do jujitsu to a certain degree. Not necessarily pursue it or find their passion in it, but everybody but should be familiar do it. with it. Yeah, I like agree. every dog should be. If you're going to live inside, you should be housebroken. Like every dog should mm-hmm. be house trained. I hate housebroken. Mm-hmm. Sounds like broken. Sounds like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. House trained, right? Every yeah. dog should be potty trained, right? To the degree that I think every dog should be potty trained, I think every person should do jujitsu. It's like a basic. I agree. Fundament. I actually totally agree with that. I just don't know how that would be enforced. We have to like kind of force it on people um, because some people are too soft, Uh, but like, I, you know, I don't know how to manage society. I'm a fucking anarchist. (laughs) Hey, look, I've got, I've got a bunch of other questions that I have written for you. I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you this Saturday um, at your Mm -hmm. Sydney seminar. So I'm really excited that we're going to have a chat, but I would like to get you back on the show uh, maybe over the next couple of months. Just write me and and get me on the schedule. Yeah, this has been um, really, really enjoyable um, and very informative. So thanks for coming on, brother. Anytime, man. Anytime. I was glad to be here. Thank you. Let people know where they can find you. Uh, I think it's, is it nldogs.com? I think is my website. 
Type in next. Okay. Le- if you just type in J Jack, you're coming up on Google. You just, you just Google me. You'll be fine. Just Google okay. J Jack. And like, if you want to see more dog stuff, say J Jack dogs. And if you want to see more fight stuff, say J Jack MMA. But like, just, just, yeah. I mean, you know, there's not that's, that many of them. That's cool, man. Thanks for coming on again. And you have Absolutely. a great flight out here. And I'll be seeing you in a few days. And thanks uh, again. I'm it's been awesome. To, I'm going to have to wear like compression socks and shit. That's a fucking flight, dude. It's that a flight, bro. Ugh. Today right, you'll make it. I'll see you in a, I'll see you in a couple of days. Have a great one. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips, and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training my website npdogtraining.com or my youtube channel nutris pooches thanks for listening guys my name is luke if you'd like to find out more about my dog training services you can find me at www.kizuna that's k-i-z-u-n-a canine c-a-n-i-n-e dot com dot au i'm also on instagram at kizuna canine training thanks again and we'll see you next time